0: Today we're going to look at one of the most powerful stories in the Old Testament. It comes from Genesis chapter 22. So if you have a Bible, I encourage you to open up and buckle up because we're going to be flying through Jesus in Genesis in this third installment of our series. Now we've already looked at how Jesus reverses the curse, Genesis 1 through 3, and how Jesus was the priest like Melchizedek in Genesis 14. And today we're going to see that Jesus is the son on the altar. This story about Abraham and Isaac from Genesis chapter 22. And here's what we're going to learn together. Genesis 22 provides one of the most powerful types of Christ in the Bible. That means a foreshadowing of the work of Jesus. The passage, Genesis 22, connects to the work of Christ on the cross in five shocking ways. Now, before we go over those five different connections that we see, and it's going to be awesome. We're going to be flying through scripture. So again, be ready for this because we're going to cover a lot of ground today. But before we do that, I just encourage you, if you haven't read Genesis 22 in a while, to pick it up and read it. It's the story of Abraham when he was called by God to sacrifice Isaac. And here's the first connection we're going to make. Isaac and Jesus were both one and only sons born by the power and the will of God. Let's look at Genesis chapter 22. It says there that sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. He said, Abraham, he calls out to him and and Abraham says, yes, here I am. And God says this, take your son your only son yes isaac whom you love so much and go to the land of moriah go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which i will show you now i want to put this passage side by side with a passage from the new testament the famous verse in the bible john three sixteen. and notice on the left he says take your son your only son whom you love so much now let's read John 3:16. It says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So Isaac was Abraham's beloved son, but Jesus was also God the Father's beloved son. But the connection runs even deeper. Take a look at this on the left, Genesis 18. We're backing up a few chapters to see the miraculous birth of Isaac. It says there, God speaking through a messenger, he says, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Now, Sarah laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? So the Lord said this, is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. And that's exactly what happened. Isaac was born to Sarah in her old age and Abraham was about 100 years old at this point. Fast forward to Luke chapter 1, and this is the angel speaking to Mary, saying, "'You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus.'" And Mary asked the angel, much like Sarah did earlier, "'But how can this happen?' Now, this time, Mary says, I'm a virgin, so there's no way this could happen. But the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. So that's the first connection. Both Isaac and Jesus weren't just beloved by their fathers, but they were born miraculously by the power and the will of God. Here's the second connection. The sons carried wood on their backs as they marched toward their death. Let's look at it first in Genesis chapter 22, verse 6. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders, while he himself carried the fire and the knife. Now let's put that side by side with another passage from John, this time chapter 19 starting in verse 17. It says, carrying the cross by himself, Jesus went to the place called Place of the Skull, in Hebrew Golgotha, where they nailed him to the cross. Now in case you think we're just digging here to create a narrative, this was actually observed 400 years before Christ's birth by a Jewish scholar in one of the Midrash. This was even before Jesus came to the cross, but studying Genesis 22, he said, this looks a lot like crucifixion, how the Romans would make the criminal carry his own cross to his death. And here's the third connection. The sons, both of them, obeyed their fathers in quiet determination We see it in verses 7 and 8. He says, Isaac speaking, Father, we have the fire and the wood, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? Isaac didn't realize that he would be the offering. Abraham's response was, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. And look at what it says next. And they both walked on together. You get this picture of Isaac quietly trusting his father as he walks forward toward the altar. Now, let's put this passage next to Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. Speaking of Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane before the cross, it says that he went on a little farther and bowed his face to the ground, praying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. We saw a shadow of this in Genesis 22 with Isaac's response to his father. But even the prophet Isaiah speaks of this when he prophesies in chapter 53 about the suffering servant, speaking, of course, about Jesus who would come later. He wrote, He was oppressed and treated harshly, and yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he didn't open his mouth. Unjustly condemned... He was led away. And that's exactly how it played out in Matthew 27. It says, when the leading priests and the elders made their accusations against him, Jesus remained silent. Don't you hear all these charges they're bringing against you, Pilate demanded. But Jesus made no response to any of the charges. Why? Because he's the quiet, determined servant in Isaiah 53 that was also foreshadowed in Isaac in Genesis 22. And here's the fourth connection both fathers envisioned resurrection on the way to the altar this is really cool and we have to actually go to hebrews chapter 11 to see this in the story in genesis 22 the author says there that it was by faith that abraham offered isaac as a sacrifice when god was testing him abraham reasoned that if isaac died god was able to bring him back to life again and in a sense abraham did receive his son back from the dead So according to this New Testament passage, we see that Abraham had resurrection in mind as one of the possible reasons that God would have him go through with such a crazy commandment. And if we put this side by side with Isaiah 53 again, we see a clearer picture of what's going on here. It says in verse 10 there, "...yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him." He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring, he shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Now, that part there that says that he shall see his offspring, he shall prolong his days, is a prophetic reference to the idea that God the Father had resurrection in mind, even as he sent Jesus to the cross. And that leads to our final connection that we need to make here in this lesson, and it's that God provided the substitute. In both cases, back to Genesis chapter 22, it says that Abraham looked up and he saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. And to this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Let's put that passage side by side with 1 Peter chapter 2. It says in verse 24, Jesus personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Do you recognize the reference back to Isaiah 53? Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd the guardian of your souls. Now, I want you to pay attention to the substitutes here. On the left, in Genesis 22, a ram is substituted for the son's life. But on the right, the son, Jesus, doesn't get a substitute. Jesus is the substitute. He's the substitute for us. And this is the beauty of this whole passage, It turns out that when we see isaac in genesis 22 we're actually seeing jesus in genesis we're seeing a type of christ a foreshadowing of the work of christ on the cross a foreshadowing of jesus going to the cross in our place a substitute for us the bible says that you and i have broken god's law that we're sinners in need of a savior jesus himself Is that Savior? Jesus is the Son on the altar in Genesis chapter 22.